Hi everybody and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 73 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. You can also find RV Miles on social media. We are over at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to keep up with Jason and I as we travel around the country, we are at ourwanderingfamily.com, and you can also find us on on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. On today's show, we're going to talk about the the future of the RV industry. What's what's coming up in 2019? There are some changes on the horizon, and and we sort of got a rundown of what we're seeing happening, what the industry seeing happening, and and what you can expect uh, camping out on the road in 2019. We also have an interview with our friend Mandy Wallace, who we met at Zion National Park. And she is, her and her family are full time. And she is sort of a numbers nerd. And she has discovered in the time since she went full time that her family's actually doubled the amount of money they spend on food. And she's written a blog for us about it, and she's going to come and talk about it on why she thinks that is and some of the things she's going to do to try to help alleviate that problem. It's really uh, it was a really fun interview to do. So we're excited to have Mandy on. Plus, we've got news, a new brain teaser and a whole lot more. But first, this episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean. This year, L.L. Bean is joining up with the National Park Foundation, the official nonprofit partner of the National Park Service, to help you find your happy place. In an amazing system of more than 400 national parks, including historic and cultural sites, monuments, preserves, lakeshores, and seashores that dot the American landscape, many of which you'll find just a short trip from home. L.L. Bean is proud to be an official partner of the National Park Foundation, and you can discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com. Speaking of the national parks, the big news this week is the potential government shutdown. We are recording this on Friday night, and it's looking like it's clearly going to happen. Of course, we never know how long. It can be a 12-hour shutdown could be several days it could be much longer and that of course affects our national parks and thousands and thousands of federal campgrounds across the country we did follow this a little bit earlier in january when there was a shutdown and the sort of new shutdown plan leaves the national parks open and allows people to stay in the campgrounds but there's no trash service there's no people to check you in. Uh, Dump stations might not be available. The bathrooms are locked. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, it's I think it's kind of unfortunate that people are going to be allowed in. And because last time there were just piles and piles of trash bags and and all sorts of stuff. But anyway, if you have plans, it's likely that national park campgrounds are going to remain open, although they can shut them down if they have specific reasons like gets too close to something that that really needs protection or they might shut down trailheads they might shut down overlooks things that are dangerous and then the national forest and blm and army corps of engineers campgrounds most of those are going to shut down at least after a few days back in january i think a lot of them sort of waited out the weekend because it also happened on a friday and the shutdown ended on monday so they sort of waited out the weekend and then 
when uh, when the shutdown ended, they decided to just stay open, but they were going to close most of those. So, you know, our, our plans entirely changed in January. We we had we just canceled our reservations and then went somewhere else, though. We could have just stayed with what we were doing. Yeah, but it ended up being a nice little happy accident for us because we landed in New Mexico and spent 10 wonderful weeks touring around New Mexico. But we will link in the show notes to this article that kind of tracked uh, the January government shutdown. If you happen to be someone who has some reservations coming up very soon, this is just a great article to read through and kind of get the flavor of what you might expect. Of course, it's going to be different and it's going to be on a case by case basis and hopefully when you're listening to this, this will all have just been pointless. Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole, that's my hope is that this was just a pointless conversation that I just took five minutes of your life. (laughs) Next in the news, uh, Winnebago released their, their first quarter of their fiscal year results and they have recorded record growth, record sales, uh, over the first quarter. And really that's been lifted by their, their towables. And, it's kind of bucking the trend because the rest of the industry is starting to see a bit of a downturn, not only in sales, but stock prices have just dropped dramatically across some of the biggest companies like Thor and Camping World. So um, we're going to talk about this a little bit later in our segment about the future of the RV industry. Winnebago is kind of leading sort of the innovation and, and trying to get the younger customers in and trying to do things a little bit differently. Well, it's very possible that the future of the industry right now is the towable. That's sort of the national news. We also wanted to uh, point you to a new article in our Road Warriors series. Our friend Mark Walker wrote a travel journal of he and his wife's experience driving the 61 highway, which is sort of the blues highway that travels, uh, you know, across the south from New Orleans up to Memphis and through all these different really important places to the birth of the blues he even talks about how the blues got their name which i i had no idea it's a really interesting story yeah it's a great story and just like michelle's article that she did for us a couple of weeks ago on birding this was another sort of travel adventure that was not on my radar and after reading mark's article i very much look forward to checking out the blues for ourselves and hitting some of those spots that he talks about it's really it's pretty cool and i am very thankful that he spent such a detailed time putting something together for us it's really so well put together there's a lot of good photos and stuff to check out as well in it we also want to mention that we have a YouTube video out. We're drinking the Kool-Aid again. This one's on our experience at Badlands National Park and in Wall, South Dakota and going to Wall Drug and the Buffalo Gap National Grasslands, all that area. It was a really fun experience and we're excited to share uh, a lot of the video that we took from that experience with you. Yeah, and maybe we will actually get our act together and start putting more videos together. If you are not subscribed to our YouTube channel, we would love it if you would join us over there. We're just our wandering family. And I really like the style. Jason has been playing around with a lot of different visual styles on how we kind of want to put that channel together. And we're really back and forth. And I like this new documentary sort of format that he's going with this is now. less less talking more pretty yeah and as i said to you sometimes i just i get really tired of hearing my own voice so yeah. it was nice to have a video that featured less of us talking and just more 
images of us truly interacting and enjoying the space. And boy, it really did remind me of why Badlands has landed on our list of best trips of 2018, which we'll talk about next week. We also have our latest America's National Parks episode out. This one's on the Wright Brothers National Memorial in Kill Devil Hills, North Carolina, right next to Kitty Hawk. They have some cool names for things out out on the East Coast over there. Very interesting. And this is the actual 115th anniversary of the day they took flight. That anniversary was celebrated on December 17th, so not too far from when this podcast is being released. And it was kind of cool to learn some things about the Wright brothers that we didn't know. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, you know, to be honest, I had not, I didn't know anything about them other than they invented. I just figured they built a plane. I didn't know how they did it. (laughs) I kind of thought they were little, they were like hobbyists and they were just playing around with it. But no, like they took a serious methodical inventors scientific approach to doing this and it's really really interesting story much longer than i thought it took them to yeah they were two very determined brothers and i thought that was kind of cool and i liked being able to share that with our boys and be like see look brothers can work together they can actually create things and not fight just so (laughs) you know finally we want to mention that rv chat on twitter has the week off this week for the holidays. So if you were planning to join us for that, we'll be gone. We'll be we'll be back next week. RV chat happens every Sunday at 8 p.m. Central. Except this one. So join us next week on Twitter. We'll be there. Or at least Jason will be there. I always say I'm gonna be there. And then most of the time I end up somewhere else. So <laughs> Jason will always be there, but not this week. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll have the answer to last week's brain teaser. Be right back. I know you can't wait. We're back with the answer to last week's brain teaser sponsored by Thrive Market. On a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone, Thrive Market offers thousands of the best-selling organic foods and natural products at up to 30% below retail prices. Foods for specialty diets can be hard to find when you're traveling, so for the next camping trip you head out on, skip the store and get all your gluten-free, paleo, and non-GMO products delivered to your home just before you hitch up that towable. And because Thrive Market wants to make healthy living a part of your outdoor lifestyle, RV Miles listeners can save 25% off the already marked down prices along with a free 30-day trial. To get started, head over to thrivemarket.com slash rvmiles. That's all one word. Or check out the link in our show notes. That's thrivemarket.com slash rvmiles to get 25% off plus a free 30-day trial to start your journey towards a healthier life at home or on the road. Last week's brain teaser went like this. A sundial has the fewest moving parts of any timepiece. In fact, it's only really got one moving part if you count the sun, none if you don't count the sun. Which timepiece has the most moving parts? And the answer was an hourglass because it has thousands of grains of sand that are moving. Tricky. Tricky, tricky. 
the winner this week is Max Levinson from Florida, who will receive a Not All Who Wander Our Lost t-shirt, and you'll have your chance to win yours at the end of the show. Okay, we have a tip for this week that we wanted to share with you. This is one, one of those things that we actually do and uh, have found to be very useful, and I think you, you might as well. Uh, one of the things that we find when you head to new places and new campgrounds, new locations is we often forget where we are or we don't know where like the nearest services are. We don't know the phone number of the campground. If there was an emergency, we don't know the address. Or we forget to tell the kids where they are <laughs> and that they don't even know what state they're in or what city they're in. And I know that sounds crazy, but there have been a few times where my kids have been like, where are we? And I'm like, what do you mean? Where are we? And they're like, no, like what state are we in? And they just don't know because, you know, they just say we're leaving. It's time to go to a new campground. And so they just get in their seats. We know where we're going. Kids don't know. So we had to come up with a solution for that because I felt really bad. So what we do is we have a whiteboard that hangs on our refrigerator and you can have a whiteboard slash bulletin board type situation if you want to as well. So you can sort of pin up that campground information that they give you when you check in. Uh, but we write on the whiteboard or Abby does for the most part where we are or if we're traveling tomorrow, where we're going for the kids and for us to remember and just important things that we want to keep track of about the location that we're in. Yeah, I think it helps if the kids can visually see it too. I mean, it's one thing for me to tell them, but I think when you see repetition, 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 right? That's kind of like a, a foundation for education. And so for them to see where they are on the whiteboard, or maybe there's something special about this particular place. Oh, we're on the Lewis and Clark National Historic Trail. Well, they see that every time they go to the fridge and they go to the fridge a lot. So that's sort of sinking into their brains. Like, this is where I'm at. This is where we're going. And I just think it sort of helps them. Then when we look back on places, they have a bit of a roadmap now in their heads as to where they've been and where they were going. Yeah. And I think it just helps to have a place where you constantly keep that information that you get from campgrounds because, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and your power has gone out. You want to be able to walk right to that phone number that you got to call and be able to figure that out. I need my 30 you know? amp back. <laughs> you don't want to have to go hunting for, for all that information. So especially when you're in like a state park where everybody's gone for the night and that sort of stuff, it can be very useful to have just sort of those routines and, and a whiteboard slash bulletin board really, really gets it done for us. We actually, we don't have the bulletin board part, but our fridge is magnetic, so we can use magnets. I know a lot of RV fridges are not magnetic, so that doesn't work out so well for a lot of people, but. But it works out great for us. Yeah, that's our tip for this week. We're gonna get here into a discussion over the future of the RV industry. And I'm a little excited to talk about this because I think there are some important things to uh, to discuss and important things that are, happening. There's a lot of changes happening just in these few months right here. 2019 feels like the growing pains year It's for it, the RV industry. It's a test. It's a test. It's We've had these big boost years. Now it's going to be, it may not be a huge drop, but it's a back to normal. And can we, can we, can we continue on the level that we are going forward? So we're going to get into that in a second. But first, this segment is sponsored by GoSun. 
When you're out camping in the wild, miles from the nearest propane or electrical hookup, every bit of energy and fuel matters. With GoSun Solar Cookers, you can cook full hot meals without propane, without electricity, without wood. GoSun Cookers trap the sun's rays to steam, bake, roast, and boil, even when it's cloudy, using special reflectors to grab available heat and trap it in a borosilicate glass tube where food cooks at up to 500 and 50 degrees. That's hot. I'm just saying. I, I know I'm like Captain Obvious over here, but that's hot. You could burn yourself on that. I know that's hot. <laughs> Three different models offer the perfect combination of portability and cooking capacity. Visit gosun.co, that's .co, and use the code RVMILES for 15% off all GoSun's solar cookers. Support this small Cincinnati-based company looking to change the way the world cooks with free energy and no harmful smoke or emissions. That's gosun.co and use the code RVMILES for 15% off. Okay, the RV industry, where it's going, where it's been, what's happening? This is like, I, I know I had said a little bit ago, it's like growing pains in 2019. I think it's almost like, okay, we've we've entered into the late teen years and now we need to decide we've had all this growth. We're grown yeah. now, we're grown. We have to decide what we want to do with our lives. So we going to college. We not going to college. <laughs> let's take a step back and talk about what's happened. So we had the great crash of 2008, uh, which really decimated the RV industry. And during that time, companies really cut costs to stay open. They started cranking out RVs with not a lot of quality control. Some of the bigger companies gobbled up some of the other companies that were about to close. And there was a lot of consolidation happening in that that way. Then as the economy recovered a bit, the industry really, really took off. Like as the one example of American manufacturing that still exists as a shining, you know, beacon of beacon light. on the hill uh, of, of, of sort of American construction of you know, things we use and the family vacation and just <laughs> and, the yeah. idea of the road it's trip, truly like it's just American yeah. thing. So that's all been fine and dandy and great. We've been going but, uphill, 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 uphill for several years now. And and what has not changed in that time, at least a lot of people say, is the quality control. Uh, a lot of these units are sold and sold and sold. And and now these companies have had to increase their production. So that has also necessitated cutting costs. We've talked about all this in the past, but what's happening right now is stock prices are way down, sometimes over 60% for some of these companies. Dealership orders are way down in the second half of this year. They're about even for the year on a whole, but the second half of the year, they've dropped drastically. The industry is expecting in 2019, they will drop even more. This year, we're expected to end up at about 500,000 units shipped to dealership lots. Next year, they're saying that could be anywhere between 430 to 466,000. So that's that's a significant drop. Yeah, and in case you're wondering who they are, this is information we are getting from the University of Michigan. It's a survey research center, and it was headed by Richard Curtin. And this is sort of, they have been looking. Yeah, this is at an independent trends. study. Yeah, it's an independent study. They've been looking at how the trend has been going. And this is, again, based on all this other information, this is what they're seeing. This is what they're predicting is that, you know, 
as the manufacturers are saying as well, this is not going to be, we're not, we're not going to succeed what we did last year. In fact, we're going to, we're going to go down a little bit and everybody needs to brace for it. Yeah. And part of what they're saying, the reasons for this are, is that income, employment and household wealth are all projected to go down a little bit next year. And there's also the idea that a lot of the people, most of the people that wanted RVs and that could afford them over this, this time period have bought them. So it's going to slow down at some point. I mean, you can't just keep selling more units than, you know, than there are people out there wanting to buy them. It's just supply and demand. And there was a lot of demand and they met that demand and we're just, we're leveling off a little bit. And I don't think that that is a bad thing. It's not. I mean, I still think the industry is very healthy. There are a lot of us out there enjoying this lifestyle. And you see that in the difficulty you still have trying to get campgrounds that are not booked, you know, six, seven, eight months in advance. Yeah. So that's one of the problems that this is that this boom has created is that the campground industry has not kept pace. It's interesting to me because you would think that as this isn't just something that happened like in a one year time period, it just didn't happen overnight. You would think that as that industry is ticking upwards, that service industries, campground industries, they would continue to rise to meet the level. And it almost seems like they just keep waiting for this bubble to burst. They don't believe that there is a large number of people out on the road. And so they haven't really changed their game. And I think what's happening on that front is that there are people that are recognizing, hey, this industry is booming. I want to run a campground because I think it's going to do well. And instead of building new campgrounds, what some of these people are doing, these some of these investors that are interested in getting into campgrounds are buying up older more dilapidated campgrounds in need of need of a lot of repair and they're refurbishing them into more premium campgrounds which is great it's fantastic that they're doing that but it's not increasing the overall number of campsites and the federal government and state governments seem to have no interest in either expanding the size of current campgrounds or adding more so there there's just been no no addition at all that we've really noticed anywhere on that front on on the public in the in the government sector. Yeah. And for no reason other than I just really love them. And it's one of my favorite ways to camp. I wish there were more camping options like what you have at the Buffalo National River or at Zion National Park that would allow you to camp in the park with yeah. your RV. But look, that stuff's expensive to it's come by. It's very expensive, yeah. yes. And we are seeing in some cases where the concessionaire run campgrounds might be being redone uh, in order to accommodate bigger RVs, to accommodate 50 amp RVs and that sort of stuff. But again, it's not more campgrounds. It's just some campgrounds being upgraded. So it'll be interesting to see with 2019 if there are any industries out there or any individuals, I should say, out there that are going to start picking up this this torch yeah. with the camp, the campground torch, as we should call it, and start sort of making that investment on a more on a more even playing field. I think the luxury campgrounds are fantastic. I would like us to see a few more 
even playing field campgrounds that are just a little bit more inclusive for all income levels. You know who is building campgrounds is casinos and amusement parks. We've had some pretty fun times in some casino. Yeah, and I think well, a lot of the casinos out there are realizing, hey, we're giving this free overnight parking to a lot of RVers. These people are potential customers. Maybe we can get them to stay longer. So they're building actual campgrounds on site and not charging too terribly much for them. But you get better services than just, of course, parking. You get uh, electrical hookup and access to maybe that hotel's pool or their continental breakfast and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's still not the way I want to camp with my family. It's still just a most likely a casino parking lot with just an electrical post. But I do like that it's becoming a little bit more of an option and they're recognizing that there are people that would like to stay there and would like to engage with their product a little bit more. The same with amusement parks, you know, what a great thing to be able to go to stay for a weekend and spend a weekend visiting an amusement park and not really have to leave the amusement park. And a lot of these amusement parks are really making some serious premium sites that they want you to come pay a lot of money and, but you can stay at them and then you get extra experiences at the park because they don't want you going to other attractions right. in the I area. Mean, Disney has been doing this for decades. Yeah. This isn't like a secret. It's not just exactly. like somebody woke up yesterday and was like, oh, a campground and an amusement park. What an amazing idea. Disney yeah. has had tremendous success. So now the this. six flags and the cedar points of yeah. the world are all are all catching on and getting highly involved in that. So the other major problem that's happening right now that we've talked about time and time again is the lack of service for RVs. Same way that the campgrounds are working, there have not been enough service locations built to really repair RVs. And and that's become a problem. There are not enough technicians out there. And I don't see that changing in 2019. In fact, I see that continuing to be a problem. Yeah. Yes. Well, what what is happening is so that the industry does recognize these problems exist and they are trying to make some moves to fix them. So the first thing that's happening next year is that the industry has sort of redone the way they do their annual trade shows. And what they're launching next year is this new trade show called RVX. And this is happening March 12th through the 14th in Salt Lake City. And this is an experience for for dealerships mainly to come and learn about the products of all these manufacturers in a really intensive environment. Like they can come in and take classes from the manufacturers and learn about the product. And they're going to have large presentations, um, big product reveals, that kind of stuff. This is an RV show that is really meant to kick off the camping season, to kick off the big sales push for the camping season. That's why they've placed it in March. And we actually we have the trailer that they have. This is (laughs) you're going to love this uh, for for RVX right here that I want to just play for you. The RV industry has been experiencing unprecedented growth over the last 10 years. There's no doubt that we work in an exciting industry, and we take pride in knowing that we enable Americans to hit the road and enjoy our beautiful country. Unit shipments have topped 500,000, and sales are robust across the country. But could there be an uncertain future approaching? Today's consumer is changing. 
and the next generation of buyers unlike anything we have seen to date. Are we as an industry doing enough to ensure we capture the growing base of consumers who are eager to embrace the outdoor lifestyle, not our competition? How do we prepare for uncertainty, disruption, and help ensure future growth and increased sales of RVs? Introducing RVX, the RV experience. March 12th through 14th, 2019 in beautiful Salt Lake City. RVX will be the industry's only dealer-focused market development trade event designed to promote the RV industry and our products at the beginning of the camping season. RVX will provide dealers a one-stop shopping opportunity to see the newest models and innovative new concept units while shoring up orders of best-selling products for the spring and summer months. Dealers and their staff will have the opportunity to sit with OEMs and suppliers in a more thoughtful setting allowing time to learn about new product features that today's consumers are looking for. RVX will help grow your market share by playing host to the kickoff to camping season marketing blitz, a massive multi-million dollar media and PR campaign designed to highlight and promote the RV lifestyle to millions of new potential consumers. So you kind of get the picture, like they get it. They get that there's, there's this big group of younger people that they need to sell to and they need to figure it out now. Y'all, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a good movie. <laughs> that, that was a movie that I got to go to the, I, does that have Christian Bale in it? Has he completely submerged himself into the RV industry? I'm just wondering. I mean, it's like I expected Tom Cruise to come like jumping out of a, a helicopter or something, Mission Impossible into the RVX arena and like give a presentation. I mean, this is, that was that was the most intense trailer for the RV industry I've ever heard. Brilliant. So this whole push is either going to fall flat on its face because it's going to come across as some disingenuous way to try to squeeze money out of millennials or they're really going to nail it. And I, I feel like they're I feel like they're they're getting they're, they've got their finger on the pulse of a lot of stuff. Some of the companies do. I feel some of the companies might not be able to pull this off right. Well, here's the thing. Okay, we, you and I sit on the the border of the Gen X millennial. Yeah. There's there's a whole lot of debate as to what group we get to be a part of. That is not a trailer that speaks to me. No, I mean that is when I. That's like something that The Rock. Yeah. Did when he was like rustling. Okay. But he's evolved since then. And now he really like, you know, we now all now get him, you know, we like him. And sure, we liked him when he was wrestling. But I mean, like, we like him now, like he was amazing in Jumanji, right? So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if that's like, if that's the line they're going to go with, if that's the style and the theme and it's going to just be really intense like that, I'm I'm not quite sure that they. What I get out of it, I, mean, it. I think that so that trailer is obviously for for dealerships, for people that are a bit older. That was not aimed at us and younger. But, but why? I mean, well, I, I just I, I don't know. I, I, they're trying to rev everybody up. They're well, they did it to with get that. Everybody I mean, to get energized and say, look, you are going to have to push and you're going to have to really sell this life. And it's not about it's not about fishing anymore this is about adventure right this is about getting on the road and exploring it is it's not about 
you know, going for a walk in the woods anymore, which is all nice and dandy. And I enjoy a good, I walk, love a good in woods, walk in the woods, but, but that's not going to sell their product. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to listen to that again because it's just really epic and amazing. And I want to, I want to see the visual that goes with it, but there, this is going to go two ways. Like it's really going to fire everybody up and it, and everyone's going to land in the exact same circle that we all need to be in. And we're all going to come together and we're going to kumbaya this and all the generations are going to go buy RVs together and it's going to be great. Or this is going to end up being a Michael Scott presentation and it is, everyone is going to sit there and feel really uncomfortable in the conference room. Right. Because Michael Scott's up there yeah. trying to fire. Up I mean, I get the, the feeling they're going to have like there's going to be smoke and lights and there's there's going to be some big product reveals and they're trying to be more like an auto show in a way. Oh, I just it makes me want to go watch so many episodes of The Office <laughs> right now. Every time they went to one of those trade conventions. Oh, oh. when they had the triangle shaped iPads yes, that they were trying so, to sell. So brilliant. This can't be triangular shaped iPads. I just right? I just really I just really hope that whoever stands up there. Make sure that they're not wearing a lady suit. (laughs) That's one of the best episodes ever. But if you are, you know what, though? You can wear your lady suit, but just own it. You You, got to know it. Yeah, Michael didn't own it. He didn't own it. He didn't know it was a she suit. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Anyway, that show is so good. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think, like we said, this is going to sink or swim. uh, But at least they know, hey, we got to change. And they kind of realize that, look, there's a reason people are building all these tiny houses and these people that are building tiny houses and schoolies, they do not want to be associated with RVs. And I think we're like one of the weird outliers in that. Yeah, we, we get shunned from the school <laughs> from group because we sides. love that. Yeah, yeah, from both sides. <laughs> we really do. We're kind of like stuck in the middle. But I don't under I mean, I don't really understand that. I think an RV is whatever you make right. it. To it's be. a recreational vehicle. And uh, we think schoolies Hello. and tiny homes are just custom versions of those yes. things. They're self-built versions of those things. I think though, that if you look at some of the changes that are happening to the interiors with this new modern farmhouse look, that's going in. I think that, I think it was Jayco. Yeah. Maybe Keystone There's is noticed. also doing it now. I think you're starting to see again, the understanding that there are just different changes and trends, variety, Everyone loves variety. They want to have a unique RV. I mean, they don't want to look at like everybody else. Yeah. Or if they do, they should they should have the option to do that, too. But there should be variety. There should be option. And I do think that the industry, especially from what we just heard by this amazing narrator in this trailer, (laughs) they clearly understand that there is a need for variety. And also we're seeing that sort of start to make its way into the design aspects. We have been watching the schoolie movement just continues to grow and expand. And it is not just a few hundred people like getting together. We are talking at this point, there are tens of thousands of us out there who are doing this. And these are people that either can't afford an expensive RV or are afraid that if they put their money into an RV, it's going to fall apart. Maybe, but or, I also think it's just people who want to build something. I, yeah. You know, it's no different than wanting to build your own house or build your own chicken coop right. or, 
you know, put a piece of Ikea furniture together. You just want to do it yourself. Right. right? And, like, and, I mean, and that was sort of our reasoning. And uh, but I'm not saying those people are right to have that perception, but they do have that perception. And the RV industry needs to realize they need to nip that in the butt. They need to they need to break out the clean white lines. Right? They need to get rid of the perception that their products are stodgy, that they fall apart, that they're dangerous, all that sort of stuff. Stuff we don't really necessarily believe to be true. We think there's a lot of different products out there. But social media plays yeah. a powerful role in all of this. And we see that time and time again, too, in the Facebook groups where people will come in. There's often more complaints than there are. Yeah. There are more rants than there are raves. And that really impacts people, even if you're just scrolling by and you're not engaging in the conversation, you're just seeing, oh, one more rant about this, one more rant about this, you know, yeah. manufacturer. Those things start to stick into your head. They're there in the back. And so that I think too is another hurdle that the industry is dealing with, that the perception is so negative because sometimes we do tend to dwell on the negative in these yeah. larger RV groups that are out there. And so they have to fight that too. I, it, it's got to be difficult. I do not envy anyone whose job in a large corporation is to handle the social media. I don't, I don't envy them no. at all. I think there's also this issue. You know, we're talking about the campgrounds again. I know one of the things that's happening at RVX is there's going to be a presentation of like what the future of campsites looks like. And I think KOA is putting together like a futuristic campsite and one thing that uh, is it going to include hoverboards i want to express from my experience and i i think from the people we talk to as well from the families that we know you know people people our age that are buying rvs are mostly families sometimes they're couples but they're getting into this lifestyle because they want adventure they don't necessarily have the money to fly around the world and i i think there's this perception that these people want all kinds of technology to go into their RVs and to go into the campsites. They want ridiculous amounts of Wi-Fi and they want, you know, their RVs to have all this automation in them and that sort of stuff. And I think that's missing the mark because I think what people want is affordability still over all that stuff. I think people would still rather pay less for a campground than pay more to have all the ridiculous amenities. Agreed. If you have ideas about what's happening in the future of the RV industry, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email at editor at rvmiles.com or join us over in the RV Miles Facebook group. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Mandy Wallace about food budgets on the road. Be right back. We're back with our interview with Mandy Wallace. We're going to talk about, I sat down with Mandy for a while and talked to her about the article that she's written for us about, uh, about food on the road and about how she was surprised that their food budget has pretty much doubled since they've been out there. And it's really cool how she's sort of broken it down and figured it out. So I'm excited to play that for you. 
But first, this segment is sponsored by National Indoor RV Centers. National Indoor RV Centers makes RV travel simple, fun, and hassle-free, offering convenient indoor storage with round-the-clock security and on-site maintenance and repair that can handle paint and body, oil changes, brakes, tires, glass, upholstery, slide work, and generator work. They even accept factory and extended warranties. Valley Service pulls your RV in and out of storage, checks tire pressures, change and check the battery fluids, fill your fresh water, and cool your fridge down before departure. They even have on-site propane and dump stations and their wash and detail crews can clean your RV inside and out. You can find National Indoor RV Centers in Atlanta, Dallas, and Phoenix. And at their new Las Vegas facility, they are offering RV Miles listeners three months free with code RV Miles 3. That's three free months at their new Las Vegas location with offer code RV Miles 3. Space is extremely limited, so visit VegasIndoorRVStorage.com to get started today, and we will link to that website in the show notes. Okay, without further ado, here is our interview with Mandy Wallace. Mandy, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Jason. Let's start by learning a little bit about you and your family and what led you into RVing. Well, um, it was something that we had talked about um, when we only had two little boys. So this is um, five or six years ago. And at the time we were renting and we um, hadn't found a house we could afford and we liked um, in Nashville. And so it was something on the table and we had talked about it, but then we just kind of got bogged down with all the things like, where do we put our stuff that we don't want to necessarily get rid of, but we, you know, actually want to keep like family furniture, stuff like that. And so we just never pulled the trigger. And then fast forward to last summer in 2017, my husband lost his job unexpectedly and it kind of threw us for a minute. Um, but we kind of just took a step back and said, okay, do we want to stay in Nashville? Do we want to relocate? He's a software developer, so we could move to a couple of other places in the country um, where he could find some cool opportunities. Or do we want to like do that RV thing? The kids are still young enough that we could do it, um, even though now we have three. And so that's what we ended up doing. Joe got a remote job um, as a software developer and... So he was 100% remote and I had had experience teaching kindergarten and first grade. And so I felt like I could probably handle uh, my then second grader and going into kindergartner um, and then our two-year-old. And we just hit the road. So the, the big impetus for you hitting the road was the idea of the lifestyle, it sounds like. Was yeah. it also to be to be cheaper? Um. No, I guess uh, I kind of assumed we would have just a, a regular lifestyle. Our biggest motivation was travel. My husband and I both have the travel bug. And um, with three children, we just can't afford to fly places with buying five airplane tickets and then lodging. And um, we had both been on individual trips. He'd gone to India a couple of times with a job and I'd been to China with a friend. And we just both love experiencing new places and checking out new foods and kind of digging our fingers into like local walk around the city and get the vibe or, you know, camping. But 
no, it was not a financial. It, we weren't trying to save money. We were just going to try to figure it out. Like, how can we make how can we make a life that worked? Did you guys sort of prep? Did he get into his job? Did you get into homeschooling before you got on the road? Or did you sort of just figure it all out in one shot? So Joe started his new job in the middle of July. We bought our RV from a friend of a friend, July 26th. We handed over the keys to our house, to a property management company that does short-term rental um, August 1st. And we spent our first night, we went to my parents so we could do that. We had to take the RV to shop to get new tires and some things. So we went to my parents' house, but we spent our first night in the RV on August 4th. So it was about three weeks of making lists and grabbing stuff and just um, like plotting out where we could possibly go with this adventure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We we had about six months to prepare, but it still didn't feel like enough time. So I'm, I'm amazed that you were able to like, I mean, I I guess when you're forced and you just jump in and go, it's uh, you just do it. That's awesome. So a lot of people say this lifestyle is cheaper. And we of course have found out that, it can be if you if you're able to make it cheaper or it can be more expensive and it all depends on where you came from and and where you're going but you've written us an article about specifically your grocery bill and your the, the amount of money that you spend on food on on the road and you it sounds like you are kind of crazy about budgeting and tracking your expenses and you've found out that they've they've actually doubled which is like, it blows my mind, but I can, I imagine ours has too, if I actually did that math and we have it. Yeah. I, um, I love a good spreadsheet and I have some <laughs> ridiculous, well, my, my husband would say it's not a good spreadsheet cause it looks like Russian to him, but, uh, to me, it totally makes sense. And I've got like, I track every month from 2012, which is kind of when, I, you know, basically yeah. when I stopped going from paper to move to an electronic format, <laughs> But I was going through, I finally had enough numbers that made sense. Uh, So I took like a three month sample of our first three months on the road from August, September and October of last year compared to this year's August, September and October. And I thought that had grown considerably, but then I took like a sample from last spring, like before RV was even in our vernacular because we weren't even considering it at that point. Um, so I looked at like March, April and May, you know, just kind of looking at, you know, cause every month can be, you know, crazy. Like Christmas is obviously December is a crazy month for these great dinners and holiday potlucks and stuff. But, um, I just kind of took a sample size and then I was appalled that every month, I mean, just looking at over the year, it's like, Oh, we just kind of bumped it up a little bit every month, but now it's double. We're spending twice what we used to spend in our six and bricks house. And what, what, what what would that, what would that be for your family of five roughly? Um, so for our family of five, typically like, so originally we had budgeted, um, around $1,100 for the month. Yeah. So that's a big increase. Yeah. What do you think, uh, what do you think some of the causes are? What, what makes being out on the road more expensive to eat? 
Well, so the, so this is something that is not going to necessarily affect every RV person because it clearly it depends on what your goals are while you're in your RV. So we travel, we move once a week and our goal is to see as much of the country as we can. Um, and we're mostly staying in national parks or near in state parks, near national parks. So, um, we did a big Northeast loop and then we did a big Southwest loop. We just finished a big Pacific Northwest loop. Um, but we're moving every Sunday about 300 miles. So we do grocery shopping once a week on a Wednesday and it's mostly like just whatever the closest grocery store is. And sometimes like if you've been to Bryce national park, the closest grocery store is like a glorified gas station. It's like a dollar fifty per onion and five dollars for one avocado. So in trying we we also, you know, really try to eat real foods and we haven't really changed our diet necessarily. Um, although we've gotten a little a little bit probably like we've started to drink some smoothies, for example, in the morning. Um and we had moved to making lunches instead of just doing leftovers. But sometimes I think that location is what the prices are higher. Yeah. Because we're paying for the convenience of being close to a park in yeah. the middle of nowhere. And you don't have as much room to store food long term and sort of. Well, that's a major thing. Yeah. yeah. All the cost saving things I used to do, like I would do crock pot swaps with my girlfriend. So everybody would make six batches of this, you know, thing that could go in your freezer and then we'd all trade. So I'd have a freezer full of meals ready to go in the crock pot that, you know, maybe cost me $30 to make. But then I got five other new, you know, it's like, so a, a time saver and be a money saver because I could do it in a bulk quantity. And we don't have, I mean, our our freezer in the RV is the size of a shoebox. (laughs) So even the idea of, you know, if I'm going to make chili for the family, I can't double the recipe to save half of it because there's nowhere to put it comfortably. (laughs) And your family's growing. So your kids are getting a little bit older. They're probably eating a little bit more. I'm sure. They are. I think that, I mean, that's certainly part of it. Our youngest is now three and, um, she was our little bird and now she'll, she'll eat two, two good meals. Um, you know, she'll still pick at dinner, but before she would kind of just pick at things and she would eat them off my plate. So we have an additional person who's eating real food now. And then our boys are growing. I mean, they, they're spending so much time outdoors and playing some days, you know, they don't, touch what they're eating. And then we'll go through a spell where it's like, I can't put enough food on the table. And they're like, Hey, can I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich now that we're done with dinner? Cause I'm still hungry. <laughs> so there's certainly that, um, grow, you know, as a family taking into account that our, you know, children are growing and, and expending so much energy that they need to like refill. How did, how does eating out play into it? We end up eating out a lot on like travel days just because we end up getting in a spot where we're, we just don't want to make food and right. that ends up blowing our budget for the week. So we try to eat out just once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to make it, we, you know, we want it. Part of the traveling is getting to sample the local fare. So we try to do Saturday is the day that Joe doesn't have to work and we're not traveling. So that's kind of our big adventure day. So we will either plan to eat out at, for lunch if we're near a city or a town that way we're not like spending a lot of money on entrees and like kids meals that are just 
you know, macaroni and cheese (laughs) that cost like seven dollars. Seven dollars for it's literally craft macaroni and cheese. It's craft macaroni and cheese, right? (laughs) With like five grapes. (laughs) Um, so we try to do lunches uh, out, and then um, so that's not. It's funny because in my budget, actually, I have it separated. Like eating out is a totally different category, and we try to keep that just like once a week. And it is, you know, like when we're in the Olympic Peninsula, like we're going to go have some Dungeness crab because like we're here and it was just caught today, you know, um, in Maine, we're going to have lobster, but, um, we try to just do that once a week. And then a lot of the times, like I will do some bulk peanut butter and jelly sandwich making. So like, if I'm going to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, I'm going to make nine peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and I'll just put them back in the bread loaf and just stuff that in the freezer. So then we can grab those and we can grab some cheese and some fruit and put that in a picnic basket, you know, or picnic, a cooler for our adventure days. That's sort of one thing that's, that's helping you save a little bit. What you've laid out a, a bit of your plans for how you're going to reel in the spending. So what are, what are you going to try to make happen? So I think the first thing I'm going to try to do is, is try to replicate that idea of of cooking once and then saving that prep work, basically reconfiguring our grocery planning. So instead of buying six meals, I think I'm going to try to, you know, like we're only going to buy four meals, for example, and then, but it will be double the amount, um, which gets a little bit tricky. I mean, I haven't really figured out, like we have one big like stew pot. And then we have one cast iron Dutch oven kind of pot. So in terms of space, like both of those things cannot be on our stove at the same time. (laughs) Um, so that's just kind of like, how can I, how can I make this work? Because money wise, we can't afford to, we can't like, we have to cut that back. And there's a lot of things that we can't cut back. I feel like groceries is something that we can actually make an impact in, you know, we still need, like we have camping fees and we have diesel and we have like, these are costs that we can't really. Right. They're not going to, unless you travel less, they're not going to. Right. Or like, you know, we, you know, only boondock, you know, three, three weeks out of the month or something that, you know, we could significantly cut, but yeah. So that's one of the things is, is trying to do some more batch ideas and figuring out how to make space to store them. The good thing is right, right now we're on the we're on holiday. So we came back East to visit family and the RV is stored. So we had to, um, man, I wish your checklist had been available because we totally would have used it. (laughs) We had like a post-it note of what we needed to do to winterize the RV to store it. And we had made the mistake previously of not leaving the refrigerator and freezer open. Yeah. So like this time, you know, we've all done that. Yeah. We got it. Um, it's open. It's like breathing. So we kind of have the opportunity. It's like, we don't have those random bags of vegetables that are, you know, things that end up in the freezer that are just there. Like we can, I can kind of take like a fresh slate and be like, okay, what, how can we use this space? Like, what can I, how can I rearrange shelving or what to make sure that we can do some bigger food prep stuff. Yeah. We're sort of in the same situation now we're at, uh, Abby's parents' house and have sort of cleaned out everything. And we do this like three times a year periodically, just reevaluate everything we do. And while the, while our bus was getting fixed last month, 
the we, because we only thought it was going to be a day or two that the fridge was left shut. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things you mentioned too in the blog is that you you had a uh, you had a garden before and yeah. now you don't, so you can't create your own food from scratch. Yes, yes. So I never bought I I never used to buy herbs, and I never used to buy. Um, like tomatoes in the summer and sweet potatoes. One year I planted like 16 plants of sweet potatoes. We had sweet potatoes like every meal for five months. I've tried to do some container gardening when moving, but it's just really like none of the plants have thrived. And it's one of those, like, I can't add this to the checklist of things that I have to be responsible (laughs) for their livelihood. (laughs) um, I would love to figure that out. If I could figure out, you know, like a small, even just for herbs, mm -hmm. some of the basics. Yeah. Um, Because I feel like that's the thing that I'm buying. And it's probably not, I always hate buying herbs because I'm like, I can't believe I'm spending $3 on this like little seed that, yeah, it's almost worth it to just eat bland food sometime when you look at the price right. of herbs. You're like, <laughs> no, I'll just eat that plain chicken breast with nothing on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. This is this is great. One of the big things for us was that we didn't realize as well as just all those regional differences and how much things would change depending on where you are. The price of food changes, the price of diesel changes, the price of everything changes in California. It's, it's kind of Yeah, absurd. I think that's a, I mean, maybe my sample size wasn't the greatest because it was August, September, October, and we were in, we were on the West Coast. Yeah. And yes, like everything in California is more expensive than here in Nashville, Tennessee. Like I filled up my cart here at Kroger during the holidays. It's like I spent $90. And in California, it's like a full cart. That's like three hundred dollars. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, yeah. and it's not like I changed. I'm, I'm. We're eating, you know, similar food. It's not like we're, you know, we're trying to maintain some consistency and what we eat in our house and and healthy lifestyle. And it's just not. Um, it's it's for real that the folks out there are playing a premium to live, and it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. I love that we get to drop in. And then I also love that we get to drop back home. <laughs> well, we left from Chicago and then headed like down through Arkansas and down into the South and things were crazy cheaper than, than we had experienced in Chicago. And then we got so used to cheaper stuff and then started moving to more expensive places and realized we're going to have to think about this. Yeah. And another thing that happened, um, in August is that we had two shop stays. One was planned. We were replacing our windshield and the other one was not. And so that affects it too, because A, you can't access your home because your refrigerator is also in the shop and you might lose everything because you've got to, you know, if you're unplugged, you can't keep it going if they're working on it. So that was something also that like probably our numbers jumped. I mean, knock on wood, right? That like (laughs) when we get back in the RV in January, that we don't have another couple of shop days. But that is hard too, because then A, you're eating out or B, you're eating without having the opportunity of actually cooking. Mm -hmm. So you've got to buy things that are ready made. And, you know, so I know we went to the grocery store once and bought stuff that we didn't have to do any prep for. So we save money from eating out, but we still spent a lot of money, you know, not being able to prepare our own food. That's yeah, exactly so what happened during our last breakdown. Exactly. 
<laughs> so yeah. what is on your what's on your docket for for next year where are you guys headed mm. the big plan right now is to do the baja peninsula Ooh. so we we just like i said we just finished our um north our pacific northwest loop and we're looking now at um socal so when we get back from death valley and um joshua tree uh, we, I mean, we, we tend to hit all of the national parks that we can. And then we're, the goal is to go down the Baja Peninsula and then come back up and hit the coast more of California. And then kind of like the big overarching is to cross the country, hit the Great Lakes region by summer. Mm-hmm. And then Joe really wants to hit Key West. Uh, which is like opposite season, opposite wow. season. So <laughs> yeah. that's kind of like we have this big kind of rainbow. That's um, that's about as far as you can possibly travel going from the far yeah. southwest. Well, I think I mean that would be great though. Uh, yeah, we're trying to. We haven't been to Florida yet. We you know have no desire to go in the middle of summer down there. Yeah. So we just kind of have to time it out with weather. Joe always says that we're um we're just chasing seventy. Like yeah, it kind of plans it where we're hitting 70 <laughs> degrees like wherever we are that's like the ideal well the midwest in the summer will be nice all right mandy wallace thank you so much for joining us on the show today we'll link to uh the blog of course in in the show notes and thanks for writing that up for us i think it's really it's really important to not just share the amazing stuff about this lifestyle but some of the stuff that you have to think about to prepare to get out on the road you're welcome thanks for having me we want to thank Mandy again for joining us on the show today. I That was just so eye-opening to us, and it sort of hit home a lot with what we experienced as well. We are nowhere near as good about tracking every little dime we spend like she is, um, but I imagine that a lot of the same is true for us. No, I really like Mandy a lot, and I really enjoyed getting to know her when we were in Zion, and then we have kept in touch through social media. And I am very fascinated by how organized and how much she likes to lay it all out there and chart it and and keep track of all of it. I find it incredibly fascinating. And so I really enjoy following her on Instagram because she's very open about that stuff. And so open as well in regards to talking about it. And she just, she's great. I really like her. I can't wait to see their family again. Get those bookworms back together. Our kids started a band with her kids. They're called the bookworms. No, they're not called the bookworms. That's Jack's band. Jack has bands all over the country. That's Jack's band here for the library. I do not remember what they named. Uh, it was good. They had they had a oh, they had a whole stage set up at Zion. It was really cool. Jack's made album covers for them, and I can see the <laughs> album covers, but I cannot think of the band's name. But we'll link to all of Mandy's social media in the show yes. notes, and we hope you'll check out her blog and Instagram as well. And uh, and again, if you have a topic that you might be interested in talking about, please let us know. We'd be happy to discuss having you write something for us or coming onto the podcast, just send us an email at editor at rvmiles.com. Okay, let's wrap this episode up with a new brain teaser. What four-letter word does the following? It's a good four-letter word. There are so many four-letter words out there. I hope this is a family-friendly one, Jason. What four-letter word does the following? The first two letters signify a man. 
the first three letters signify a woman, and all four letters signify someone great. We'll have the answer to that and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. Yes, we will. And as always, if you are enjoying the podcast, we would love it if you would share us around your social media or as you are enjoying a little festive holiday cheer. And until next week, from our family to yours, have a great holiday and we will see you soon. Keep logging those RV miles, everybody. Bye. Bye.